And I just think that we have agency. We talk about free will, like God has given us agency to choose. Do we want, what do we want the most? And I just think that him asking that question, you ask yourself that question. Do you want to be free? And if you want to be free, then like, get honest with Jesus. He's giving you tools. That's what the practices are. They're tools to access more capacity to do the things that you want to do on an, a deeper level. You're listening to the Rule of Life podcast by Practicing the Way. In each season, we explore an ancient practice from the way of Jesus and its relevance for the modern era. This is season three, Fasting. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to episode two of the fasting series. It's a beautiful day in Portland, Oregon, which is a rare thing. It's sunny outside. We are sitting in the recording studio of the Bible Project. Thank you so much to all of our friends here. Yinka, good morning to you. Good morning, good morning, John Mark. The second podcast you've ever done. Done, done, done. In your whole life. <laughs> Can you imagine? And the great honor, honestly. I still can't believe this. It's surreal. <laughs> I'm still, I'm like, this is a dream, actually. But no, it's been such a delight. Oh, thank so you. happy to sit around the table with you. Jaren, good morning. Aloha. How you Aloha doing and Aloha. good morning. I feel very much more at home because the sun is out. <laughs> yes. yes. And around friends. Yeah, yeah you did not yeah. grow up in cold and rain and... No, I grew up around trade winds yeah. and sun <laughs> and surf. So, oh, yeah. I apologize. Well, we all well. know how to pray for Jared. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, uh, thanks so much for coming back on. I'd love to start just asking you to, you know, after that conversation with reward, which was kind of mm-hmm. zero to 60 for somebody <laughs> new to fasting, like just yeah. I'm exploring, listen to a podcast and, yeah. you know, are uh, practicing the way in the practice, you know, our goal is to get people to kind of mm-hmm. explore the idea of fasting yes. one day a week until dinner. Yes. And yes. rewards like just 21 like 21 days. days. Let's go. Or you this could start incredible. with two weeks. <laughs> <It's> amazing. <laughs> just for the it's record. Inspiring. Not yeah. a bad idea at all, but that's not our recommended. You know, oh, for your first time, probably place no. to start. But, uh, but at the same time, it was just so inspiring. Oh, a thousand times. What's coming mm-hmm. up for you two as we kind of get into the conversation around fasting? Yeah, for me, even after I was truly inspired yeah. from the conversation we had with Reward and everything he had to share. Yeah. But, uh, and part of this, I guess, is somewhat of a confession. But I really do think and can say with honestly that fasting has been still. Mm-hmm. a regularly uphill discipline for me and I would say for the people that I minister and pastor. Yeah. Uphill meaning just like it's not easy. Difficult. Yeah. yeah, it goes yeah. against the grain of sure. what I find like easy. Sabbath. Well, for some people, Sabbath yeah, is actually yeah. a difficult discipline for a lot of people, mm-hmm. yeah. but it's not like an easy one for you. Yeah, for sure. and so I just want, if any of you out there resonate with me, I'm saying this feels very uphill for me mm-hmm. still as I practice this. Yeah. And I would say as a pastoral leader from my frame to Gen Z, I still have often struggled with calling people 
to challenge in a context that can kind of feel hypersensitive mm. right now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, at a generational yeah, level, there's just a hypersensitivity. Yeah. I don't want to nerd out too hard, but yes, absolutely. And yeah. this whole concept no, of oh, harm and challenge and the confusion between the two. But yeah. I'm going to use a book. It's called yes. Bad Religion. And the writer and religious scholar, the name of the guy who wrote this is called Ross Duthit. Oh, I read his column every week. Yeah, oh, he is brilliant. That's incredible. No, and he says this that. in this book, defining what bad religion is. And he says this, it's startling how little moral exhortation there is in the pages of the God within literature, meaning not the mm -hmm. God of the Bible. Yeah, there like are, the God, God is in you, the kind of yeah, yeah, secularized sure, version of Hinduism. Sure. The self-help. So yeah. 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 And he continues by saying this, there are frequent calls to compassion and kindness, but very little guidance for, pe mm -hmm. for people facing actual wow. dilemmas in life. Calls for empathy without instruction often amount to, if it feels good, then do it. Wow. And so for me as a youth pastor, I often Ross. feel like I call people to compassion and kindness, which mm -hmm. are very important. Right, yeah. yes. Especially for this generation, which I yeah. think is beautiful about it, yeah. um, about how we operate in that way. But I will say that I struggle with calling people to challenging kinds of guidance. Yeah. AKA, I struggle with bad religion, mm -hmm. to be completely <laughs> honest. As a yeah. youth pastor yes. and... Um, Recognizing this, though, there are aspects. What's, uh, what's that? You know, that book Radical Candor calls it ruinous empathy. Oh, Kim Scott. Oh, yeah. yeah. That yeah. book was also painful. Yeah. But the reality there is this, though, that there are aspects of Jesus's lifestyle that are legitimately challenging. Yes. Yes. And genuinely call us to do hard things. Yeah. And at the like, same like time, hard thing things aren't harmful. The cross. <laughs> the cross. Okay. That no, was but, harmful, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, even, you know, like fasting. No, yeah. I mean, he said, come and take up, deny yourself, take up your cross. Yes. Mm. So fasting is one of those crosses. Yeah. <laughs> For yeah. me, at least. Um, I, I feel convinced mentally and from a science-based yeah. level, for the most part, that fasting is a really beautiful and important aspect yes. of living your life. Um, primarily from Anna Lemke. Any of you heard of her? Dopamine Nation? Yeah, Bro, no, I, I think Jim Marcus. You did. No, I think Jim Marcus. Yeah. I did you not heard of her? <laughs> I gave you that. <laughs> like you, did. you actually did. Uh, and Stanford yep, uh, psychiatrist. Psychiatrist, right? Mm -hmm. Book is Dopamine Nation. Fantastic oh, read. Wow. Yeah, and she gives... I would say probably the best social, scientific, and cultural commentary on using pain to treat pain. Mm -hmm. wow. This idea Let's of healing that. by using pain. And she, in her book, she talks about hormesis, which is a branch of science that studies the beneficial effects of administering small to moderate doses mm -hmm. of painful stimuli, such as cold heat, gravitational changes, radiation, food restriction. Mm. Oh, what's that? <laughs> and exercise. <laughs> and funny plug here, hormesis literally comes from the ancient Greek hormaean to mm. set in motion, to wow. urge on, to impel mm. someone forward. So oh, all that to say, she gives you a really interesting history on the intentional application of pain to treat pain in ancient history. This would be like, like I'm super into cold plunges. So yeah. a mm -hmm. cold plunge would be this, right? Absolutely. Like you're intentionally putting your body into fight yeah. or flight to actually, and it actually makes your nervous system. So one of the reasons I do a cold plunge every day is because I have like a out of calibration nervous system. But it actually, that stress on your nervous system, yeah. putting it into fight and flight actually yes. increases my nervous system's resilience, which makes me calmer mm. overall. Incredible. So that's the same idea, yeah, right? Yeah, oh, definitely. And medic be real, you want to be Wim Hof, John Mark. <laughs> I want. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, I don't this is really. The secret, this is I read his book. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> no. 
but I'll do cold punch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyhow, yes, things like this, yeah. using little pain to treat big pain. Yeah. Often, often. And so I'm convinced um, that heroic therapies is what she calls it, are mm. like legitimately helpful, healthy. And yeah. so on all those levels, I'm still convinced. Yeah. But then still on a soul spiritual level, I still struggle to be motivated to fast. And I struggle to call people to be motivated to fast. So clearly there's all of the research is yeah. out there. There's no excuses. Yeah. This is a good discipline. This yeah. is a good way to yeah, live your life with yes. Jesus. Yes, even absolutely. if we didn't have the cross has always yes. been in spiritual absolutely. tradition. Right, even before the science. Yeah. So we know that this is good, but often, uh, but it's good in the way that going for a run is good yeah, or doing a cold plunge is good yeah. or, you know, push-ups are good. Like yeah, that doesn't, doesn't make you pleasant. want to do them. No. You so, want what comes from them. Oh, absolutely. Just the thought. <laughs> so this is my question to you yeah. folks. How do we motivate folks to mm. actually do this? Like think of, yeah. you know, pastors, ministers even listening that know that are convinced that this is a good thing. How yeah. do we genuinely or lovingly motivate people yeah. to do challenges that literally feel regressive for a time yeah. that actually lead to a deeper life with Jesus? Mm. But how do you do that well? Yeah. I mean, I feel like yeah, teaching on the practices for so many years at Bridgetown, that was a question I was asking all the time. And I was yeah. asking really smart people. I was learning from pastors and pra- I was learning a lot from Peloton. That's so embarrassing. <laughs> no, but my uh, wife that you'll hear okay. from in a bit, uh, and it was either serendipitous or sovereign, depending on your theological perspective. <laughs> but in January, right before 2020, got a Peloton. Oh, and wow. it was for her, not for me. And I was like, ah, it's the ridiculous thing. I'm never going to do this. And I did it once. And I was like, oh, that's really fun actually, <laughs> yeah, and I'm really motivating. <laughs> and so now it's like several days a week. But they are the masters. Oh. I mean, the best personal trainers in the world, mm. you know. And it's and there's so much we could say about that because it's like uh, it is the God within literature. No, it is like yeah, every like, class why? is a sermon in yeah, it's quite like, secular self-help, yeah, radical individualism. Feel good to it. Absolutely, I mean, that you are it your is own insane what you hear yeah. and a mix of like Christian prosperity gospel. I yeah. mean, it's just this weird amalgam. Anyway, that's a that's a that's a rebel. That's a change. <laughs> uh, I have been learning so much from them about the art and science of motivation. Mm. And as a pastor, this I should not say this on <laughs> on the airwaves of the Internet. <laughs> Too late now. But uh, there's a lot of overlap in that. If you think about a personal trainer is trying to get you to do something that your body does not want to do. Your emotions mm, your do mind, not want yes, to do. Fasting, absolutely. you know, fasting, the, the, yes. uh, you're, you're jumping ahead, but yes, <laughs> I'm thinking just the Peloton ride. Yes, yes, whatever, so you're like, do you I know? want to exercise? I want they're, to be fit. They're trying to get you to do something your body doesn't yes. want to do, but a deeper part of you mm. does want the yeah. result of yes. it yeah. in your overall human flourishing. Yeah. Yes. And they're trying to get you to do it voluntarily, yes. where you choose of your own free yes. will, self-motivated, yeah. and they want you to pay them for yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> While you're here. You know, one of the things I'm learning from them, from spiritual formation kind of guru kind of people that I love, is, you know, the disciplines, the practices of Jesus, of which fasting is one, but you could say the same about Sabbath or mm. scripture or prayer or community, they're all a means to an end. Mm. So fasting is not a sign of spiritual maturity. Mm. That's good to acknowledge, actually. You know, to say. you're yeah. not you're not yeah. more that love is the metric. Mm. So mm. Um, fasting is not in and of itself an act of love. Yeah. It can be an act of love toward God or devotion, yeah. but I mean you're not more spiritually mature if you fast than if you don't. It is a tool to yeah. grow in spiritual maturity. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, the practices. They're all a means to an end. Mm. The end is not to say, I fast once a week or twice yeah. a week or every year I do a 21-day yeah. fast. 
the end is to, as we're going to talk about in this episode, to grow in holiness mm. as well as to offer yourself to Jesus, to amplify yeah. your prayers and to stand with the poor yeah. and more, you know? Yeah. So we have to help people get in touch with that front end desire. Nobody is coming to a podcast like this or walking to church on a Sunday thinking, I just am dying to fast. <laughs> Tell me how to That's do it. Maybe, Except for reward. But, yeah. Except for reward. Maybe and maybe the Yinka. Maybe and, the Yinka. and the Yinka. And the Yinka. But most people don't have a felt need for fasting. Right. I don't. So you have to back up. The f- I don't have a felt need for fasting. The felt need is um, people want deeper union with Jesus. Mm. Yes. People want a yeah. embodied, holistic whole person mm. experience of God. Yes. People want their body to become a temple for the Holy mm. Spirit. People want, whether they would know this or use yeah. this language or not, yeah. they want to grow in holiness. They want mm. to grow in wholeness and integration mm. and devotion and dedication. They want to hear God's voice. They yeah. want to be heard by God and have mm. prayers for breakthrough yeah. result in miracles. Yeah. They want yeah. to stand with the poor and mm. do something with their body about the injustice of pain and mm. poverty and world like those desires people are yeah. walking into church mm. or coming to a podcast like well this said. with mm. fasting is just a tool and it's yeah. not a silver bullet it's yeah. not you know but it is a practice it is a discipline it is a tool to that yeah. end so i think you have to back up in the same way i hate getting on my peloton <laughs> I do it because I want to stay in good shape and I want to have good energy and I want to sleep good at night and I want a calmer nervous system and mm. I want to be more at peace. And mm. so 30 to 45 minutes of hard cardio a day yeah. is yeah. really helpful to that. Yeah. You know, same with my yeah. cold plunge, yeah. same with fasting on Wednesday and Friday, mm. you know. So I think that's it, Jay. Yeah. We have to help people get in touch. Yeah. There's there's a larger pastoral yeah. work where you have to help a whole generation realize yeah. that, you know, things that are hard and difficult are actually some of the most important things for you. Mm. And But to get people to, into that, you have to get yeah. people, I mean, the spirituality is all about desire, right? Ronald mm. Wolheiser defines spirituality as what you do with desire. Mm. And madness. You know, it's the Jesus yeah. question. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's the Jesus true. question all the time. Mm. What do you want? Oh, yes. yes. And just like you have to morning. sit with yeah. that question way before you ever get to, hey, teach me how to fast. Yeah. You have to sit, what do I yes. want? Oh. Yes. And how is Jesus the ultimate answer yes. to that and fasting a yes. tool to that. You yeah. know? Hi, my name is Jonathan Fancher, and uh, I want to say that I love fasting, but I don't think anybody loves fasting. The general journey was uh, we went through this practice at Bridgetown. My wife and I decided uh, shortly after we got married, we would make this a spiritual practice we shared together. So we picked one day a week that we would fast, uh, and then we would do listening prayer at the end of that fast to kind of talk with God about what was going on in life, uh, decisions we had coming up, what he wanted from us, or what we could do to serve him. Um, And that became a staple of our every week. So we put in one day a week, and we stuck to that day really well. Um, We have historically stuck to that day really well, and that's been going on at least four years now. From there, there's a lot of really cool stuff that's happened. That that process alone has been great in helping my wife and I sort of form our marriage and our life together. Just being able to clear our heads a little bit. Uh, when I talk to people about fasting now, as a spiritual practice, I kind of boil it down to like, fasting is how I get my body out of the way between my spirit and God communicating with each other. And I think that that's been really key for us as we've made a lot of big decisions in life. That would have been connected to my response for that is that 
what most people are acquainted with is their desire, the sense of like things are not as they should be. Like we do not live in the kingdom come what there's flourishing and recognizing that Jesus is like the way to do that. And then the means through fasting and things like that. So no, I think John Marcus said it so brilliantly. But I guess one of the thoughts I've had reflecting on um, just what reward shared in our time together um, actually was from this morning. Um, I was thinking just about the idea or the truth that we are a people who long to worship, whether mm. we consider ourselves a follower of Jesus or a whether person we call of faith, it worship absolutely, or dedication absolutely, to our career. Be like right beauty, culture, work, depending on personality and leaning that people find the different things to worship. And even when we worship the true God, our hearts, mind and bodies are prone to wander in some of the most mm. humbling things. So there you have it, people who are they're seeking something. I think we all are, whether or not we would name it or not. And then when we are like submitting ourselves, our will to the truth that, that God is Jesus is the revelation of the true God. We still our hearts and mind can still kind of like stray from truth. And I think fasting, I've been reflecting on it, is such a powerful practice to basically let the things arise in us that's sort of hunger that most people are acquainted with. And then basically like return our heart almost like a recalibration to like what is my true north and where is it that I go when my heart is anxious or the things that I worry about or finding my value, you know, I think mm, we're because we can so start tempted. drifting to oh, other sources times. to numb the pain. Oh, a Absolutely. And times. instead of God, it's Netflix or it's yes. a substance or it's Absolutely. alcohol. And oftentimes Business. it's subtle. Yes. Yeah. Or because oh, yeah, then they're not all immoral. It might just be yeah. working extra hours, oh, yeah. checking my email again. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Business. Working things. out. Yeah. Oh, a thousand times. Because <laughs> it's not be, my problem. No, like, I do not exercise. Peloton. I do not look to exercise <laughs> as an escape from my no, pain. If you did, no but judgment. I know this some people that's, that over exercise. <laughs> if, if you did, this I is am a not place. one of those people. <laughs> we are. No, and I know you too. You're not those people. No, I'm definitely not. I like signed up for hood to coast, and sometimes I'm like, what am I doing? So basically, running from the hood to because for the yes. not oh, yes. uh, sorry the hood she doesn't mean the hood yes. for the, the, the non-pacific northwest the, people oh, yes, that's yes. mount Please hood yes. and there's a famous Absolutely. run where you yes. run from the top of mount yes. hood to the pacific oh, ocean my goodness. And at night, in 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 uh over 24 hours yes, in a shift a you don't run the whole way yes, yeah you're yes. like five miles absolutely anyway, and still i'm like what is it that I'm doing? But there's the, also I'm kind of motivated by this idea to see how much, how far I can go and train my body, all this Ooh. kind of thing. So now we're going to segue. No, but I, I like what you're saying, Yinka. It does make me remember that I love that hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Yes. And, you know, that line, prone to wander, oh, Lord, Lord, I feel it. Yes. Prone to leave the God I love. Oh. Take my heart, O oh, take and seal it with thy spirit from above. Oh, and you're yes. right. There is just a, I struggle with that, a wandering heart. The mm. moments where I just feel so yeah. aligned with my yeah. desire yeah. and my desire is aimed at the right telos, yeah. at Jesus. Yeah. And then my heart just drifts. Absolutely. I get tired. I get distracted. Yeah. I start to believe lies. Yeah. Sin starts to look shiny yeah. again to me. Yeah. And fasting does really, yes. I think we'll talk about that in a few minutes, it does really bring your heart back. Yeah, and it is interesting, and I think important to point out is we wonder not because the thing we aimed at is not true. Like God is the truth. For some reason, sin, be it sin, the flesh, the enemy, that we have the propensity to move away from truth in life 
to find kind of substitute then cannot fulfill mm. the thing of our, our like our truest deepest desires and this this does take us back to the embodied theology of the mm. body stuff yeah. you said last week Inca and the embodied nature of fasting which is hard for western people because yeah. you're coming at your spiritual formation not yeah, through your okay. mind yes, yes, yes. but through your stomach <laughs> it's like wait what is really disorienting yeah. not for people but yeah. for western yeah. kind of shaped people yeah. But it really does bring us back to that embodied. Like I think of even just with diet, mm. how, you know, I'm not a natural health food, celery and <laughs> salad and water kind of person. I'm more of a chips and hummus <laughs> kind of person. Little big burger fries. And, uh, yes, <laughs> yes, fries. yes, truffle fries, stop. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, as, as my kind of uh, healthy eating or healthy-ish eating <laughs> habits yeah. inevitably drift, mm. You know, yeah. like there'll be seasons when I'm like, I'm eating really clean yeah. and I'm in my kind of do, you know, intermittent fasting and then I do a healthy lunch and whatever. And the intermittent, they just mm -hmm. drift and I'll mm -hmm. start to, you know, drink wine a couple extra nights of the week mm -hmm. that I, you know, and I'll start to eat too many chips <laughs> and I'll start to eat dessert, you know, instead of just on Sabbath, it'll be like Sabbath and Saturday night and <laughs> Sunday night too and, and Tuesday night's date night, you know, and I just start to drift. Yeah. And then sometimes, you know, if you go through like some kind of just a, I don't really diet, but some kind of like just a cleanse, cleanse. or whatever. And you're yeah. like, I'm not going to do sugar for the yeah. next month or I'm not going to do alcohol yeah. for the next month yeah. or whatever. There's that craving at first. Yeah. Absolutely. You start to miss yes. ice cream. Withdrawals. Or yes. Withdrawals yes. or whatever. But then it goes away. And then I yeah. feel back centered into mm. like, all right, no, my deepest desire yeah. is to yeah. eat and to fast, but also to feast. John Mark, yes. could you give us a summary of session two of the fasting practice? Yes, you bet. Okay, so I open session two with actually a bit of the science behind what is happening in your body as you fast. Again, enlightened theology mm -hmm. of the body. And if, yeah. again, if you don't get your head around a theology yeah. of the body, um, fasting will never make sense to you, mm -hmm. as will a lot of the other spiritual disciplines. Mm -hmm. But there are three distinct physiological stages that your yeah. body goes through in fasting. The first one is for the first kind of four or so hours after a meal, mm. it's just digestion. Your body is feeding off yeah. of the ice cream yeah. <laughs> or the energy <laughs> no, no, or the no, chips and hummus no, or whatever no, no, in your stomach. Mm -hmm. But then around 16 hours in, so let's say you eat dinner. Let's say you fast once a week till you know sundown. You eat dinner around 6 p.m. Then around 10 a.m. the following day, your body begins to switch over from burning glucose mm -hmm. for energy to burning fat, what, mm -hmm. you know, to into a state of ketosis, yeah. mm. which is incredibly good for you. It's good yeah. for your brain. Your brain yeah. begins to get sharper. Yes. Then if you do a longer fast at around 24 hours in, your body shifts into what we chatted about last week, autophagy, mm. which uh, is a Greek word that literally yeah. means self-eating. And mm. it begins to break down your body from all old, dead, or damaged cells, yeah. what doctors call so zombie incredible. cells, all the cellular material that causes you know, cancer, aging, chronic disease, it's your body's way, doctors say, of taking out the trash. As a result of these kind of internal processes, there are all sorts of health benefits to fasting. Mm -hmm. You know, it can cleanse your body of toxins, yeah. increase your metabolism, reduce your weight, lower your insulin levels, inflammation, blood pressure, strengthen your immune system, slow down your heart rate, which has tied to anxiety, slow aging. It can protect against and possibly reverse all sorts of diseases, including Sheesh. diabetes, cardiovascular disease, a bunch of neurological diseases, including Alzheimer's have been cured through fasting. 
So it comes as no surprise that medical experts have been touting the benefits of fasting for thousands of years. Yeah. I mean, read ancient Greek philosophers and they're all fasting and talking about how heroic good it is therapies. for your body. Yeah. Heroic therapies, all of that. But while fasting is, you know, fantastic for your overall health, and as followers of Jesus, you know, we want to be careful of a, a kind of a dualism. Mm -hmm. Is this a healthy habit for wellness yeah. or is this a spiritual discipline? I think we want to reject that dualism. Yeah. But for us, when we approach fasting, uh, not as, you know, intermittent fasting to kind of lose 10 pounds and cleanse out our gut microbiome, which is fine, but as really a way, mm -hmm. and, you know, as we're talking about this time, to grow in holiness, yeah. um, our aim is it's different. And fasting is a way, and this other dimension that we explore in session two is the second kind of primary reason we fast to grow in holiness. Mm. And the reason I do that intro on the body stuff is in the same way, I just think there's a parallel. I mean, again, body, soul, spirit, you're a whole person. Yeah. Nowhere does your body, your mind, your soul, your experience, the only place those, those aspects of your personhood are separated are like chapters in a book mm, or a conversation yeah. on a podcast. You don't yeah. experience. Yeah, I'm no, not like, oh, I'm true. in my yes. whatever now, and <laughs> yes. now I'm in my liver, and yeah, now I'm in my God. heart, and now I'm in oh, my, you're, you're, you experience <laughs> life as you, yeah, as a yeah. holistic person. Yeah. Mm. And in the same way that fasting is your body's way of purifying and purging your body of zombie cells mm. that are killing you, I believe that fasting, and not just me, this is like the Christian tradition, mm. is your soul, meaning your whole person's mm. way of purifying and purging your whole person of self-defeating cycles of mm. sin and shame. The wow. stuff that is in you, that is killing oh, wow. you, that is dead, that wow. is diseased, that is cancerous, yeah. that is dangerous. Mm. Fasting is a way to sanctify your soul. Mm. That's very biblical language, sanctification used as a verb. It means mm. to set something apart as holy and mm. to dedicate it to God. Yeah. It's a way to just set your body mm. apart as holy yeah. and to dedicate your body and your whole person mm. to God. St. Augustine, when he was asked why fast, said, and I love this line, Jay, you will love this, yeah. because it is sometimes necessary to check the delight of the flesh in respect to licit pleasures in order to keep it from yielding to illicit joys. Ooh, wow. That's good. Isn't that amazing? That, that is, is very good. Illicit pleasures, meaning not ungodly pleasures. Yeah. You know, food yeah. is not an yeah. ungodly pleasure. No, like sure. the delight that we feel eating Absolutely. a good meal is yeah. Jesus gave us a meal yes. to remember him by. Yes. But it is sometimes necessary to check the delight of the flesh, and he means that in the, in the New Testament sense of the word, in respect to licit pleasures in order to keep it from yielding to wow. illicit joys. Mm. Wow. Here's one, wow. one more. One, I, you, I just, I love, I love the dead Christians from a long time ago. <laughs> fourth century, um, fifth century. That's fourth century. St. Leo, who's fifth century, uh, the Bishop of Rome or the Pope at the time. Fasting gives strength against sin, represses evil desires, repels temptation, <laughs> humbles pride, cools anger, and fosters all the inclinations of a good will, even under the practice of every virtue. Wow. Beautiful. Drop the mic. Drop. So when you read church history, that's like two quotes. I have 20 plus that I like had to narrow down for this session. You know, yeah. it's so painful. But when you read the great ones of church history, you quickly realize that pretty much all mm. of them were hardcore about fasting. They yeah. practice it with regularity and intensity, and they mm. seem to believe that without regular fasting in your life, it's pretty much impossible to achieve a high level of holiness. Mm. Now, they could be wrong. 
just because yeah. they're yeah, this is really smart, is wonderful yeah. saints from a long time ago doesn't make them Bible <laughs> or truth, you know, the it's capital like T. Heaven, yeah. But you just have to reckon most Christians yeah. prior to our generation, all the great ones, all the ones that we idolize and think, man, if I could ever become mm. a saint like that, they pretty much all mm. said you have to make this a part of your life if wow. you want to achieve a high level. And ultimately, Jesus did yeah. in his life. Yes, yes, yes. And of course, you, yes. yeah. And that's the whole thing when it's like, well, I don't really need to do that. I'm like, well, Jesus yes. felt yes. the need to, to the do it. The Son like, of God yes. fasted regularly. Yeah. Regularly. Yeah. So if he felt the need, <laughs> I just, I don't know. I'm thinking, you know. Apprentice, <laughs> you know, just consider the invitation. And the interesting thing about the ancients is, you know, they saw the stomach and appetite and food, the desire for food, as as either a, a possible enemy or ally mm. in the fight against sin. Wow. wow. So a possible That's... enemy, like in the seven deadly sins, mm. they made gluttony. gluttony the first yeah. one, and there's an actual logic to it. They believe mm. that the stomach was the portal that most sin comes into your life. Oh, yes. Oh, fascinating. So that an undisciplined appetite had a ripple effect across wow. your whole person. Wow. And they wow. especially, if you read the monastics, note the symbiotic connection between unrestrained um, uh, bodily appetites for food and for sex. Wow. So they would say that your level of sexual holiness mm. and your level of health a healthy relationship to food mm. likely rise or fall together oh wow and beautiful um, so so they saw that food could be like a it could be an enemy in your fight yeah. against sin or it could become an mm. ally your stomach could become yeah. and fasting was a way for them to kind of turn the stomach and the appetite mm. from an enemy into an ally integration wow. in the fight against sin exactly wow. not in a body hate way uh, for sure there's like gnostic strains yes, all through monasticism sure. of hatred absolutely. of the body hatred yeah. of pleasure like, there's some whack stuff pain, like, i read a lot of it and it's like man moments of brilliance and then yeah. moments yeah. of you're like whoa like where has this gone this part you need to pray life. to jesus yes, yes not, honestly not Plato, you bring wholeness you know? you know um so there is that there are streams of that but yeah. you the healthy version yeah. of all of it no they see this as a way to integrate, integrate. to your body mm -hmm. integrate to a healthy relationship to yeah. pleasure um that is closer to the biblical idea mm -hmm. of delight than to you yeah. know illicit joys yeah. as Augustine oh, said. So, so I named four that. things and I'll be done here that are happening in your no, soul and your whole person yeah. when you are fasting um in this kind of overarching idea of to grow in holiness. One, fasting is weaning you off the pleasure principle, mm. the need to kind of, I just do what feels good yes, in the moment, yes. and helping you tap into a deeper motivation. The God within literature. The God within literature. Deeper motivation. Two, uh, which is really important, you know, because if we can't say, you know, it's all tied together. The yeah. self is the self is like you are a person. Yeah. And so, you know, um, the ability to say no to an affair yeah. might start way, 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 way back yes. with the ability to say yes. no to truffle fries <laughs> no fries. lord not no, there that. is something there's something powerful there to is worthy of exploration <laughs> i'm not saying you know? truffle fries are bad no just of course oh, they're, they're, it's just a slippery slope you're like you just went really far you went from truffle fries to <laughs> no, i was gonna buy some no, later today <laughs> no but honestly my in <laughs> my culture there's a proverb fries. about that they're like but theirs is so intense what's and the like, proverb you're about it's like um it's like 
Enikon tole jale lekpanyo. It's like this idea, like a person who, if you oh, steal that. That to like so to kill, but they're like their thought was that like. No, what it, what does it mean? Like, uh, it's really intense. So no, nope, give like us the intense. It's like a person who could who could steal, then within you potential for murder. Because the idea was that like no matter how small it is, it's kind of like a path opening up into something even more kind Ooh. of like. Mm. That sounds Sermon on the Mount to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay. Yoruba proverbs. My goodness, they're incredible. Really, like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that's that we need. We need some intense. of the. <laughs> I think, in particular, now. So it's weaning us off the pleasure principle. Secondly, it's revealing what's in our heart. Mm. You know, it's that Richard Foster line: fasting more than any other mm. discipline reveals the things that control mm. us. So we realize all the things that we're looking yeah. for happiness. They literally in, come yeah. up that aren't Jesus. It comes up. Mm. You know. Three, it's reordering our desires. Mm. I think this is one of my favorite things about fasting is when I fast, I, without any willpower on my part, I feel my desires change. Mm. Wow. I literally mm. desire sin. With each passing wow. hour, I desire sin less wow. and I desire Jesus wow. and holiness and sanctification yeah. more. And it's not yeah. like I'm so virtuous or willing mm. it. It just happens mm. in my body as I wow. offer practice of fasting to yeah. god and i don't even somebody's like explain that to me i i don't so i'm not smart i haven't figured no, out the no. inner so mechanisms whether it's yeah. psychosomatic or yeah. if it's a spiritual th i don't know yeah. all i know is that when i fast my desire for sin goes down yeah. desire for god and holiness wow. goes up yeah. with no willpower mm -hmm. just it's happening it's reordering yeah. yeah my desires are getting back integrated to the healthy mm -hmm. intention of mysterious god. and practical too. it's oh, mysterious and Isn't very it? practical oh, and then finally, it's drawing on God's power to overcome mm. sin. Mm. And I just talk a little bit about pastorally. Whenever I chat to somebody who is struggling with any self-defeating cycle of sin and shame, mm. you know, or what back in the day we used to call habitual sin, mm. and they want to break through, but they yeah. just, the good I want to do, I don't do, mm. you know, yeah. and yeah. what I don't want yeah. to do, I do that, you know, seven. they're stuck yeah. in that existential crisis. Um, and in particular, if the sin is sexual in nature, mm. I will always encourage mm. that they begin fasting yeah. in a holistic approach and therapy and community yeah. sure. and confession sure. and, you know, health. Yes. I mean, all all the things, holistic yeah. approach. But I will always like, mm. and almost nobody does fasting regularly. It's like, wait, what? Record scratch, you know, because it's so powerful. I love that. Overcoming mm. sin. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah. so and then I kind of end by just with Jesus' line of just kind of bringing us back to episode one. Like yeah. the heart of all of this is just greater union with Jesus, yeah. you know, and his whole mm. blessed are the pure in heart for they will oh, see God and see. the reciprocal relationship mm. between our level of holiness and our experience of God. That isn't earning salvation. It isn't, but there just, you can't get away from mm. that. You know, there is yeah. a relational to the relational theory of spirituality as opposed to a judicial or tr transactional one. Yeah. There is a there is a growing intimacy with God yeah. that comes through holiness and fasting as a yeah. practice to grow in holiness. Brilliant, brilliant, John Mark. The fasting practice is a four-week experience designed to be run in your church, small group, or community that combines teaching, conversation, and spiritual exercises to introduce you to this ancient discipline for life with God. If you come on the fasting practice, you will not just learn about fasting, you will learn how to fast. The end goal is to integrate fasting more richly into your rule of life so that you can arrange your life around God. The fasting practice is completely free thanks to the generosity of our friends in the circle. 
Available now at practicingtheway.org. Okay. You guys ready to shift gears? Woohoo! Absolutely. To the interview, we have a very special guest oh, with us. The most special. We're cheering. The now. most you special. Yeah, you can't. There's a Yorba <laughs> dance going on yes, over here. And a Hawaii dance yes, right there. there is. And, oh, no, there's no, there is, surely there's a dance. There's dancing going oh, on around the table. Oh, so very special guest very with special. us. World traveler. Oh, uh, yes. Just extraordinary. Yes, my, <laughs> my wife, T, oh. is with us for this episode. Woo-hoo. Hello. Hello, my oh, love. Hello. Thanks Whoa. for coming on. Um, so my wife is, uh, you rarely do anything on the internet. That's right. You're like a digital fox. Yes, I love that. Yeah. Beautiful, but rarely seen. Oh, shucks. Thank you. On, on the interweb. Oh, shucks. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. And But my wife, you are such an extraordinary yeah. soul, my love. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to have you on, one, just because we're all friends and we yes. like to chat to you love and hang out with you. Right here. But two, because you have a dramatic story yeah. mm-hmm. of prayer and fasting. Mm-hmm. And um, out of that story, fasting has become mm-hmm. a much larger part of both yeah. your life and of mine and that of our family. So yeah. I think we'd like to just, in this kind of overarching you know, idea of to grow in holiness, mm-hmm. we'd like to start by just hearing your story for people that are new to it and new mm-hmm. to you. Yeah. Tell us, Tell us your story. Yeah, so my story, as you guys in this room know, I was sick for many years. I had about 15 years that I struggled with chronic illness, Mm -hmm. and it started with the birth of our first son. Yeah, who's 17 now. Yeah. Um, And the last five years of my sickness were much more acute. Mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, in the beginning of getting sick, I you know, would have these bouts kind of flare ups of illness and started going to doctors. And I feel like, you know, it took those first 10 years just learning limitations, Mm -hmm. but also uh, coping strategies for our limitations, which I was able to kind of lean into more. I think by nature, you know, I'm an ENFP on the Myers-Briggs. I'm very naturally happy. I'm a you know, look for a silver lining on every cloud, you yeah. know, living in Portland for many years. That was lots yeah. of silver yeah. linings around <laughs> here. Very but, um, <laughs> but I just think, you know, um, just always trying to make the most of, you know, gosh, I'm I'm sick, but I'm not that sick. Like, I'm not like yeah, so sick. downplay that, yeah. all of the time. Yeah, I just lived in, I think. It's like the shadow side of the fact that you are such a hopeful and yeah, joyful grateful mm-hmm. kind of person. Yeah. yeah, I think I just didn't want to be a complainer and I just don't and I just felt like I, I think in hindsight, I think I had a lot had of pride ba- you had honestly. To balance me. Well, <laughs> I think I had a lot of pride in that like I just wanted to be the kind of person who could hold their own. Wow. Like I just never wanted to be able to be like a burden. Mm-hmm. I like I just always thought like I had this idea of how my life would play out mm-hmm. as as a mom and as a wife and yeah. just as a woman yeah. um, who walked with Jesus and I and I love Jesus. Like I got saved young, like gave my heart to Jesus. And that, you know, when I was a little kid, I was like three and a half and it was genuine. Like Mm. I walked with Jesus my whole life, like, and, and like really loved him and followed him. And I think being kind of that good girl, um, growing up and, and just morally really trying to follow the ways of Jesus, 
um, I I just sickness was a really unexpected. Mm. It did uh, not fit yeah. the no, ideal no, for of sure. your preferred future. Yeah. No, and I wasn't like a you know I wasn't I didn't have a bunch of things going up. I just kind of you know I was kind of low energy or whatever. But long story short, um, when we hit about ten years of me being sick, there was a season of like really intense. Yeah, you got really um, sick. Yeah, some just intense things, and something just snapped in my body, and what had been maintainable. Uh, like what I would say probably was quality of life inhibiting, but not life threatening. Yeah, became all of a sudden what felt like very life threatening, wow. and and not only quality of life inhibiting, but just very. Um, it was like all of a sudden everything that I there was no more silver linings. I mean, mm. you just couldn't. There was no way. With the conversation, there's no way to spin it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I was shaking like I had Parkinson's. It was oh, like man. I had spasms in my face. I lost a bunch of vision. I was like so weak. I just was having all these. I was afraid I was gonna have an aneurysm when I was mm. like driving the kids, and just was like it was oh, just very so scary. Mm. And I remember lots of we were in. I was in a therapy session with my son, who's doing great. But one memory that came up for him was you sitting him down and saying, teaching him how to call 911 because yeah. I was out of town on yeah. a trip and you're like if I don't you can't wake me you can't wake yeah. me this is what wow. you need to do wow. yeah and he was wow. like nine or something like that oh, or, yeah. no maybe no he was he was like yeah maybe 11 or something but I just yeah I mean it was yeah. just a very it was, and I was starting to think about like scary. can I pastor a church as a mm -hmm. As a single dad, you know, we had to strategically oh. talk about like, do we live by family? Can wow. John Mark's mom help? Do we need to, you move? know, with wow. with our kids if oh. I'm crippled? Because that was another thing. It was just like My the goodness. crippling aspect. And, you know, what ended up happening, I think, in that five years of more severe sickness, yeah. I mean, I had like more than 10 MRIs, spinal taps, EKG, EEGs, oh, like all the things. Yeah. And I think, you know, neurologists, like, uh, naturopathic medicines, like yeah. we tried Western medicines, we yeah. tried everything, you yeah. know, but it was just like what ended up on the table was, you know, at first it was like all these things around things that would kill you. And, and in hindsight, it's interesting to look at my, for me to look at my story, looking backwards, I think I'm, I know that I had made peace with dying young, like, and I, in hindsight, I think I always thought I'd die young. I never could really envision myself old. Yeah. I just wow. didn't yeah. have like a framework forever aging old. Mm -hmm. and we'll come back old. to that. Yeah. It yeah. becomes important in the story. Um, but, and same with me. I always had this like premonition that you were going to die young. Oh, yeah. Geez, Which you didn't tell me about for like the first hold, eight years yeah. of marriage. Gosh, so, it's such yeah, a we had this that. like real we had really crazy great healthy communication once. in our early marriage. <laughs> well, like, how do you tell your wife? You know? Yeah. And I didn't know what to do with that, you know? But yeah, um, yeah I remember walking down the aisle. No, thinking, that early I'm marrying a mm -hmm. woman who's going to die. Oh, and just having no that thought. I don't know where the thought and came from. And you have like a picture of me like sick in a in a In bed. a wheelchair, yeah. Oh in a bed, gosh. yes, in a bed. man. Mm -hmm. And I was like, where did that thought no, come I from? Didn't realize no that. idea where that, and we'll talk about that later. But, but yeah, so anyway, that it was just like, I just kind of thought like I, I had made peace with dying young in my mind, like and in my soul. And I felt like I think I can die young with dignity, but I was grieved at, I don't think I'll get to see my kids get married. Mm. I don't think, I don't know how like, present I can be like because I'll be gone like can they be around like I was thinking of my my closest friends like I've 
can they, my kids be around these people to tell them what I was like? Just this mm. sense and like, how will John Mark do? Like he needs like somebody to keep him like a little happier. You know? Like we need to do some, who's going to do movie nights lot. making me an elf? lots of people. <laughs> so, They'd so, just be even more chips like, than like, like, hey. ice cream. <laughs> like we need somebody to like, do dance parties in the kitchen. Like, Jay, what are you laughing at? Good. What are you <laughs> laughing at? I am a happy person, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, all that to say, you know, I just think, those kind of conversations were very sobering. Um, And then eventually the conversation with the doctors went from dying because at first they thought I had a brain tumor. Then it was like spinal tumors. And it was like, then it kind of shifted to these debilitating disease, Mm -hmm. MS, uh, late stage Lyme disease, like neurological, uh, you know, it was just kept these different things. And so anyway, what ended up happening is, you know, it was like the thing that would cripple you. Mm. And and that was harder to make peace with because I just could not imagine having kids who were embarrassed to like have friends over um, and have to take care of their mom. I just, I was having issues around, yeah. uh, you know, accidents and yeah. it's just these yeah. humiliating things that you mm. just don't want to expose your family to. I mean, it's just mm. these things where I just thought, my goodness, for John Mark to have to take care of me as I age, this is the opposite of being low maintenance. And this is the opposite of holding your own. Like, this is like not the story I want. So, um, eventually I was given the diagnosis of a rare. There's a whole other podcast series (laughs) on the extraordinary effect this had on your walk with Jesus and spiritual formation. And we don't have time to go into that because we want to get to the rest of the story yeah. but wow. god but, was at work through oh, all of this deeply, stuff that yeah. i think that was demonic what was happening to you yeah but god was at work oh a hundred percent and 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 you know in hindsight you know i think jesus is so kind in that he redeems the broken parts of our stories mm-hmm. and i think mm-hmm. i never would have gone on that inner journey and done all the mm-hmm. deep work around yeah. doing the practices and and learning what god is like um, you would not have really had a felt in that. need. No, because yeah, I was so, just so pleasant. Yeah, I was happy. Like, yeah, and, and, and I just. Yeah, I most mean, people yeah. go on this on the inner journey because of fear. I'm sorry, because of pain or desire. But for most of us, it's pain. Mm. Yeah. Mm. You know, pain is the entryway for most of us to the, mm. what Robert Mulholland called the deeper journey. Yes. Mm. And I think for me, I just thought I was like pretty good, like happy. I didn't really need to grow yeah, you're a naturally like, happy person naturally yes, kind person yeah. like i'm like why do i have to grow in these things like i'm pretty i'm moral i'm not you know i'm not cheating on john mark i'm not you know i might yeah. have like bad self-control around sugar but like other you know like trying to you so still have that i still do <laughs> so anyway all that to say what ended up happening ended up diagnosed with a rare neurological disorder that primarily would affect my face it was like having parkinson it was in the parkinson's family it had a 50% chance of increasing in my lifetime and like progressing. Yeah. And um, if it progressed and I had these spasms like every day and often when I was more flared up, which was more often in those years, those last five years, it would be more severe than other days. Um, but if it progressed, it would get to the place that would make it hard to eat hard to talk, oh, hard to kiss. My oh, husband. Yeah. Yeah, you lose complete control yeah, of the muscles Yeah, and it wasn't even like it went, your face went limp. It was like your face was spasming so far out of control you that your really tongue would be coming anymore. in and out of your mouth. Oh, your yeah. your oh. eyes would be squinting. It'd be hard to keep your eyes open so you couldn't really drive probably. like And talking, like I had 
it just was so severe. It was literally my worst nightmare. And, mm. and in my processing with Jesus in those dark spaces and in those dark, that dark season of really wrestling with God, mm. I found that God really met me in that space of, mm. you know, all the things around acceptance and stuff. And I definitely have, you know, so grateful for God meeting me there. I learned to trust Jesus in that dark place. Wow. Um, I learned that he was with me in it. And, oh, wow. um, and it was, it was definitely, um, it was sobering, but it, it, but I felt like in my fear, um, I found like his peace in his presence. Mm. Uh, but it was, yeah, I'm it was sorry. very hard. Yeah. So, so take us forward. So at some point in that journey, mm-hmm. We have these two mentors, Chris and Merrill. Yeah. Um, Chris, who is actually coming on for the next episode. Yeah. So you'll hear him, him soon. And they're South African, grew up in a more spiritually charged environment mm-hmm. or more spiritually aware environment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. actually true. Uh, so less oblivious to reality yeah. <laughs> environment than the West. And they asked us at one point, hey, do you know of any generational curses on your family line? Yeah. And we were like, uh... No, I don't yeah. know. How do you test for that? It's like not in the ancestry.com yeah, yeah, genetic sample, like the 20, the, the mouth swab. Yes, yes, like for a, yeah. I remember that curse. Your, I don't. your answer to them was, I have a theological category for that, but I don't really have a practical one. That sounds like JM. really good recounting. But that sat. But that sat. But also I said, I don't know of any generational curse, but I do know my great grandma always was into tarot cards and palm reading. Oh, wow. That was my only wow. like, because my, my dad's side of the family is all from Mexico City. And I remember growing up as a kid and hearing these stories and she only spoke Spanish and would squeeze my cheeks really hard, <laughs> but she was really into- She was like the Coco, like throwing yes, shoes. Yes, no, <laughs> a thousand percent. She actually did throw, actually my grandmother threw shoes at, at people. <laughs> So, um, so that's kind of sat in the back of our mind for a couple of years, you know, yeah. this generational curse. Yeah. And then, um, through a family member, we, a couple of years later, we yeah. were, we were told a story. Tell us, tell us what happened. So one day I get a, a phone call and just my brother had stumbled upon a family story and he just said, this is crazy. It actually affects you. And the story as it came to us was this. It was that my great-grandmother, and it was actually the great-grandmother who did tarot cards and palm reading um, that I remembered as a kid, she lived in Mexico City and had fallen in love with a diplomat who was from Cuba. And they lived together and had eight children together, but they never married. One of their children was actually my grandmother. And the story, again, as it came to us and... uh, just through, through the generations, apparently, that had been passed down, um, was that when she was, you know, had these eight children and lived in Mexico City, they started having a bunch of sickness. And I think one of their kids may have died. And so she went to a psychic and she actually went to them and asked them, can you tell me why are we sick and dying? And the psychic or fortune teller, whatever you want to call them, said that it's because there is a curse that's been placed on you and your bloodline. And it's from the man you live with's wife. And up until this time, she had no idea that the man she was living with and had eight children with was married. 
And she later learned that he had been married and had placed his wife in Cuba in a mental institution and left her oh, there. My. And she had either herself hired or through a shaman or witch had placed a curse on my great grandmother. And the psychic had actually said, and the curse is this, that the firstborn girl down through your bloodline in every family will be cursed with terrible illness or early death. So the psychic tells my great grandmother this. But what was crazy is around the time that Chris and Meryl had been talking to us about a generational curse, we'd Mm -hmm. been doing emotionally healthy spirituality Mm -hmm. as a church by Pete Scazzaro. And we'd done a bunch of genogram stuff, which I don't know if you've talked about genogram stuff. We've not. So genograms are super helpful if you're trying to um, kind of look at your whole self and your whole story and where you come from in order to learn from the mistakes of the generations Mm. before you that you may have a propensity toward, like through, you know, sin, patterns, behavior. It's almost like a family tree. It is. I mean, it starts with the family tree, but then you start identifying Mm. patterns patterns. of Mm -hmm. sin, sickness, divorce, infidelity, heritage stuff, like calling my, Mm -hmm. you know, what ministry? I mean, it could be anything. Yeah, but you're yeah trying all the to patterns. Like yeah. resist the radical individualism yeah. <laughs> and realize you come from. You're somewhere. not hatched. Totally. Yeah. Yes. Totally. You know? Yeah. So, um, so in that season when we had done when we did our genograms, yes, yeah. I had said to you and to our community because we did it as a community group. Um, I said, my goodness, like look at all the sickness and early death on my dad's oh side my of the gosh. family in the my. women. But we couldn't and we couldn't figure out like what we, the pattern was. Yeah, it wasn't like the same disease. It wasn't no. like everybody mm. dies of cancer or heart disease. Or and it genetic. wasn't every single woman. Yes. Yeah. But in hindsight. We never could find a pattern. No, yeah. in hindsight, when we went back and looked, it was the firstborn girl of every family. Oh my four gosh. generations. So every yep, four generations single, strong. To including this, your brother who told you that story, yes. lost his daughter at nine years old. And mm. was who was so also sad. very sick her whole life. And she was born healthy. Yep. And then at what, a year One. old or whatever, uh-huh. developed extreme, and very ill. Yeah, yeah, very handicapped. And it was very... Never spoke, oh. never talked, never walked. Sweetest. Nine. Yes, sweet, 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 sweet. Uh, precious kid. Like beautiful little thing. But cousin who died at 15. Yeah, so... You know, I mean... Yeah, I mean, if you look through my thing, it was just, it was like firstborn girl from my... My great-grandmother's firstborn child was my grandmother who died in her 60s and was probably sick for 10, 20 years before that. Her firstborn daughter was my, is my aunt who's still living and is crippled and has had more surgeries and more sickness yeah, than anyone plus, I've yeah. ever had, like known, even heard of. Her firstborn daughter yeah. died in a car accident at 16, not 15, but close. You're good. Close, I'm close. And um, I'm the firstborn daughter of my dad. And there was, you know, one cousin that's a couple, a, like maybe five years younger than me or three years younger than me, who was a firstborn daughter that seemed w- fine. And I thought, well, you know, like maybe that's fine. <laughs> maybe, maybe there's nothing to this. And then the day before we ended up uh, breaking off this curse, I got a phone call. Um, saying that she was uh, just diagnosed with stage three or four throat cancer. Oh, so man. literally, it never skipped anyone. Yeah. Oh. And so when we when we realized this, we heard this, my, my we response- had no, we, like, no category. We had no category. Yeah, like, yeah. I, mean, we listened, I, call, I remember I, we called up Dr. Gary Bashirs, who was at the head of the theology department at Western Seminary, was my professor in seminary. And I was like, is this a thing? Like, Oh, yeah, totally. And well, he you said, said, yes, this is a thing. Yes. And you need to break this off. Wow. Because, yeah, and because, I mean, he's like, 
Baptist seminary. I mean, this yep. is not. Yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, and I think it I mean, was. He's not a Baptist, but no, what I'm but saying, he's not. This is he's not. He's trustworthy. Though. Like, yeah, he's just like, absolutely. And he's just the opposite of weird. Like, he's just like this <laughs> wonderful, very grounded, theologically like minded yeah. man I trust. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, I mean, I came to John Mark, told him this, and I was just like, I feel like I'm a Disney princess. I don't have like, <laughs> there's a curse on me. But I just, yeah. I didn't have this category. We didn't yeah. grow up in a church, in church like yeah. streams where. This was talked about. I'd never yeah. seen anything like this. No experience. Yeah. And I have a real aversion to like any kind of. Well, like actually, over- I, the only time I heard it talked about was some poor theology, basically saying you're in Christ, you're a new creation. None of that stuff can touch you. Yeah. So that wow. was wrong. Yeah. And um, what's I mean, what's crazy is that your family knew about this. And as you were in the hospital dying or nobody even thought to tell us the story. Nobody well, they just thought- my parents are so lovely, so amazing. But just had never been none of I think John Mark and I can John Mark and I my parents none of us had a category for Mm -hmm. this kind of thing being able to touch somebody who followed Jesus and is walking with God no yeah so it was a learning curve for all of us you know my parents included they're lovely so so So, so I remember we called up we asked Gary we're like all right he's like you need to get somebody to help you break this curse. We're like, uh, okay, just who? Do, I don't know how to do that. We asked, like, do you know anybody who does this weird thing, but who isn't very weird? Yes, <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. He's like, yes, I know the right person. <laughs> yes. So he connected us with this guy who yep. is just that we're not going to name because he is retired and doesn't. I think it would be best. To yeah, yeah, no, no. So he doesn't get inundated with requests yeah. for this. Yeah, but he was so kind, and he, um, he is an, you know, older man, lots of ministry. Done this um, work did for this, many years. Yep, and and so he had retired from doing this particular kind of work. He still does other kind of Jesusy stuff. Um, and so anyway, we we met with him, and in preparation for meeting with him, like we set a date. And this is where I think this idea of like, you know, holiness and fasting and these things, mm-hmm. this, this was kind of where it came in for me. Yeah. What kind of ended up happening was the, the week, I would say the week before we went to meet with this man, we had asked our, our community, our closest mm-hmm. friends, and also our families, like my family, because obviously they were involved now, and, um, and John Mark's family and just the people that really knew us and were close to us. Will you guys pray for us? We fast for us. And we're going to ask God to like break this, you know? Mm-hmm. And we didn't really, in hindsight, like I didn't know what I was walking into. I didn't mm-hmm. have a category for this. Yeah. I didn't, it never occurred to me that I wanted to break the curse because who wants a curse on them? And there was clear indication that this had power, but I just didn't understand the ramifications that breaking this curse would eventually like would have on my Mm. life. But in preparation to meeting him, I kept feeling in my prayer time with Jesus that I I kept sensing the same. It was the same phrase that kept coming up for me. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit to the best of my ability to discern was saying the same thing over and over. You have to be holy. And, and it was like, you have to be holy. You have to be. And, and I just kept saying, okay, Lord, like, I think I'm holy. Like, and at the time, I think because I was walking with Jesus, like I love Jesus. I'd met him in the dark place. I trusted him. I was like, you know, walking with Jesus. I didn't have a category really for what even like that holiness meant Mm. necessarily, except God is holy. So as God is holy, we're supposed to be holy. But like, does that mean perfect? Does it mean like 
I didn't have that. Oh, mm -hmm. but I just kept saying, well, I'll just like clean everything I can. Like I, for during that week, I just kept saying, okay, Lord, anything. I stopped watching any kind of TV during that week that felt like it, it messed up my emotions or anything. I just said, okay, I'm just going to take a break from that. Um, I'm going to just uh, like try and uh, do forgiveness work, like make sure I've like forgiven and like confessed any mm. sin I have. Like I was like trying to like clean out my heart as much as possible, but I wasn't sure why. So we get to this meeting. The only like the primary thing I kept feeling was, be, you know, you have to be holy. You have to be holy. That was the, the sense. And then here I'm fasting I like we fast for two days before and I'd done fasting before lots of times but this just felt really kind of like okay I think we're going up against a curse so there's probably like you know you don't curse people unless you're like that's like yeah. evil so evil yeah. you know fasting is good to like help break curses apparently yeah, like in my yeah. mind I just didn't yeah. have these were all new ideas yeah, so so, sure. so we get there it was interesting. My brother came who had told us this story and we, you know, we just all love Jesus and we wanted to break this off. So I remember being called into the room and um, it was at a, we had met at a house. Some of our family and community were there. We were praying and, um, and in, in upstairs in the room was, you know, John Mark, this man and my brother and me that like they said, John Mark called and said, Tammy, it's time to come up. So, um, as I'm walking up the stairs, uh, my face started to spasm so severely. Right. And at this time in my sickness journey, I had spasms in my face every day. But like I had mentioned before, like I lived under the fear of my face progressing because you had a 50% chance of it progressing in your lifetime. But it was stable enough that most people who looked at me, unless I was really flared up, would never know I was struggling with it. But mm. I was consciously aware because my face spasmed yeah. often yeah. and every yeah. night and every day. Yeah. Um, so as I'm walking up the stairs, my face starts spasming out of control. I, it was like probably the most severe it ever had. And no, I thought probably. it was well, then I went far. through the doorway where you guys were all sitting and then it was like a whole other level. It was like one of my eyes wouldn't walk in. One of your eyes was closed basically entirely. Yeah. It was like, I could, I yeah, just thought like out of a what horror film. Yeah. <laughs> what wow. is happening? So I ended up, I walked in and both John Mark and my brother said, gosh, um, you know, are you okay? Like what's going on? And I just, I felt like fine. I just said, I, I have no idea, but let's just pray. Let's just do this. And so I sat down. The man had me um, confess any sin that I had, mm -hmm. which I was grateful for that call to holiness because, you know, who wants to confess sin in front of your husband and brother and yeah. <laughs> random guy you didn't know very good? Um, so, so I just, I was like, I, you know, mm -hmm. I had me confess sin and then. He literally, it was like a, almost like breaking a legal contract. Mm. It was like there was no worship music in the background. There was no like, um, no you know, no, no, it was very yeah. like, it felt wow. very legal and calm. Mm. And he just, you know, he was a very godly man. Um, he is a very godly man. And he just, you know, he just basically said, I'm speaking to the spirit wow. that was called upon to enforce this curse over and he used my great grandma's name and that killed. And then he went through, like took the life of my grandmother and then he went through and took the life of 
this person has crippled this person who fell upon this person. And he just went through my line. And then he said, I want you to repeat after me. Now, this whole time, my face is going crazy. John Marsh is like watching. And mm. so is my brother. Mm. But then together, my brother and I were sitting next to each other because it was on our family, you know, when he said, I want you to repeat this part after me. And he just said, now in the name and the authority of Jesus and by the blood, the shed blood of Jesus, we break this curse in Jesus' name. And he said it, and my face is going crazy. Then I said it with my brother, and by his blood, in Jesus' name, we break this curse. My whole face went completely still. My. And it felt like almost like I'd had like this really tight beanie or like something really tight yeah. over like my head and and my forehead. And it felt like something pulled off of it, like pulled yeah. off the top of my head and yeah. It was like it came up and off my head and I could think really clear. I didn't even know wow. I was like cloudy minded that day. Mm. And um, that was October 14th of 2020. Wow. And that was the last time I had any neurological spasms my. or issues at all with any kind of you sickness. You have been 100% I mean, symptom free yes. since that day. And it was just this remarkable moment wow. of, John Mark, I remember you looked at me and just said, uh, what just happened? And I was like, I have no idea, but something. And so, yeah, I mean, it was so visible. It was like dramatic. I mean, first off, your face was wigging out and just went perfectly calm. And your whole like countenance changed. It was almost like your face got brighter. And then wow. I, I distinctly remember the next morning ripping out. We'd had this exhausting day, prayer, yeah. fasting, breaking generational demonic curses. And I just kept for days like doing a double take because you looked 10 years younger. It's like wow. you just decreased in age overnight, mm -hmm. 10 My. years younger. You know, it's just My. like, what in the world? It was so My. noticeable. Yeah. I mean, and your symptoms were like not made, I mean, not made up. But they were yeah. like very real symptoms yeah. that disappeared. Yeah. Wow. And so there, it, it's, it was mm. just this amazing gift that, mm. you know, when we talked about breaking the generational yeah. curse off, it never occurred to me that I would get healed. Like that mm. never was even like in our, we never even thought that. We just like, it was more like, let's just like break the thing off because who wants a curse? I don't want to, yeah. you know, like have that hanging over me. Yeah. But then in the process of like doing that, God in his kindness freed and healed me. And so mm. it was like I had this immediate healing but then over time, I also had what I would say was like progressive healing. It was like there was like a domino effect of holistic uh, healing that was happening. It was affected my brain. Like all of a sudden I could think clear. I had wow. so much, so many issues with memory and cognitive issues and brain fog. I mean, it was so severe that it was almost like having early signs of dementia. Aww. I would forget whole conversations. I just... It, it was, you know, was and, and so mm -hmm. to have all of a sudden like agency, like my brain, like learning, oh my gosh, like I can think clear what, and I was really afraid at first to like, you know, lean into that and believe like God healed yeah. me. I just was like holding it like, Lord, I know yeah. you did something. I'm not sure what this is, yeah. but let's see if I have another flare up. And I just kept not having a flare up. Wow. And so, um, it was just this amazing gift. I felt like. When I finally just was able to say, you know, I think God healed me, 
I'm just going to hold that close. Delivered <laughs> you is, is another yes. word for it. <laughs> yes. Know? Well, he delivered and healed yeah, me. I mean, it was both. both. They were yeah. in tandem. You know, there's so many biblical stories where, you know, yeah. you read like in Luke uh, where he t- he meets the woman in the synagogue and it yeah. says this woman's been tormented, tormented. by Satan yeah. by 18 years and she has this like curve in her back. Yeah. And it says that Jesus, he like, I forget the word that it uses, but it's something like he... Uh, rebuked the demonic or something, but she doesn't talk about her manifesting or not, or anything like that. But then it says that she healed, she's yeah, healed like her and delivered, body, yeah. and it's at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And it just so I think it just blew up our boxes so much. Mm. But I just remember thinking, and we're not saying that all disease is demonic. Oh, not at we're all. Not saying that if you pray the right prayer, then no, you'll be, but you, in the none of that. We're just telling your story. Times, yeah, yeah and I think story. that in my case, I just. I had been unwell for 15 years Mm. and I think having prayed so many times for healing Mm -hmm. and been been prayed for for, and by all different streams of the church, you know, I mean, we, I'd been to, to streams of the church through friends who just like loved me, who were putting me in places that Mm. other people experienced healing and I just never did. So I Mm. saw people get healed, um, Mm. but I just didn't. And in hindsight, like, God had healed other people through yeah. just these this awesome his awesome kindness but in my case there was almost like this like linchpin that had a demonic almost like legal hold for lack of a better word over me that we never knew like we didn't realize and um when that was broken God in his kindness healed me Practicing the Way is a crowdfunded nonprofit made possible by The Circle, a group of people from all over the world who believe deeply in the work of spiritual formation and discipleship and give monthly to see formation integrated into the church at large. I'm Hayley from England and I'm a part of this community. To join myself and others in The Circle or to share a one-time gift, visit practicingtheway.org forward slash give. So mm. we, I mean, before, thank you wow. for telling no, your story. Thank you, Tammy. Thank you, Tammy. And before we, um, before we're done, we need to ask you a couple of questions, if that's okay. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the role of fasting to grow in holiness in your life, and what's changed kind of before this experience yeah. and then since? Yeah. I mean, gosh, we've walked with Jesus for so many years and have done. You know, I'd done fasting before, but I always, because I'm free spirited and I'm naturally not disciplined, uh, like that's just true. I'm just (laughs) not. I'm like, I I love to have fun. I'm an ENFP. I just don't want to be told what to do. I'm living with like a very like high uh, discipline, orderly like husband. I still respect it, but I just was like not drawn to rules for the sake of rules. Yeah. Okay. So, like, yeah. the same, we are the same. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, I just think um, I had done fasting, but even when I'd done like seven days of prayer and fasting, uh, like, because we did this as a church years yeah. ago, where we did seven days of prayer. And I wanted to do it just because I, you know, I felt like, no, this is like good to grow in. But I remember, you know, it must have been day six or something, having this thought of like, gosh, I just, why am I doing this? Like, this is like, what is happening? Like, why am I doing this? And what has shifted, I would say, for me 
is since then realizing that fasting for me has become a tool that I would say has led to what the scripture calls like being consecrated, consecrating yourself. Mm -hmm. And to consecrate is similar to like being holy, but it's like, it means to set apart as sacred. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when I got healed, my prayer back to Jesus was, you gave me my life back. Mm -hmm. I never thought I would get to like watch my kids get married. And I didn't think I would get old without it being really tricky. and so I just, I just remember thinking like, Lord, I thank you. Like, mm-hmm. thank you. I give you my life to use mm-hmm. however you want to use yeah. it. Like, I, I yeah. just really want to be present to you. Yeah. At, this has been a gift. It's shaped yeah. me. It's changed me. And I would say that what before was almost kind of like fasting was this rule. It was like this thing that you do as a Christian because, you know, the greats, they all fasted. Um, but in that week of preparation of like, you have to be holy, the best definition, cause I've researched like holiness, even like trying to understand like what at its essence, like what yeah. is it I'm after? And one of the, uh, somebody recently told me another, um, definition of holiness can be to be fully devoted. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I loved that idea. Oh, yeah. So in I think like when I look back, like when the, I feel like when God was encouraging me, like you have to be fully devoted to me. Mm. Fasting Mm. has been the way that practically I've been able to tap into what for me, for my whole life, I think really has been um, probably the most uh, impulsive compulsion I have that inhibits my ability to choose the things I want, which is all around eating. I'm an emotional eater. I eat when I'm sad. I eat when I'm happy. I eat when I'm bored. And it's always sugar. I mean, I literally have like stashes of chocolate in my drawer that's hidden from John Mark. And he probably knows about it. But I mean, my kids make jokes about it. It's like I like am like I love sweets. Like I just do, especially white chocolate. And, yeah. and dark chocolate. And so I had this realization with not that long ago. There's a difference between being nice and good mm. and being godly and and holy. Mm. And I think sometimes yeah. we think like if you're morally good, then you must just be holy. Mm. But you can be morally good. Yeah. And not be totally devoted oh, to God well said, with your Tammy. whole person. Wow. So for me, it didn't look like drug addiction and porn. Yeah. For me, it looked like compulsive eating yeah. and then really bad self-care habits. Mm. And 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 when I say bad self-care, I mean just like staying up crazy late, like just not not caring for the mm. the gift that God had given yeah. back to me, honestly. Mm. And just having this awareness then that like Wow, I when I was sick, I did all the self-care things because if I didn't, I'd be sicker. Mm. But then when I got my 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 body back, like like it was like God gave me this gift of a new life, a sanct yeah. like it was like this yeah. gift of God like restoring back to me yeah. capacity and life yeah. and like a sharper mind. And at first I like just pushed my body and realizing, "Oh no, this is a stewardship issue. Like mm. you need to care for the gift mm. of your body." And in order to do that, I realized, oh, I actually have some 
areas that are not in full submission to what Mm. I want them to be. And so fasting, at least for me, in the most simplest form has been asking the question when I'm not tempted in a bad way, but when you're fasting and you're hungry, like the question I always hear myself ask is, Jesus, I want you more than I want sugar or creamer in my coffee or, you know, um, food. I want you more. And I want to see you move in this area I'm particularly fasting for more than I want to like ease the tension that I feel in my body that would feel good if I ate. Yeah. Like saying that statement that has allowed me to tap into Mm. meeting God through fasting and consecrating myself and realizing, wow, like that old saying of like sin isn't bad because God forbids it. It's forbidden because it's bad. It's this space of like, I actually don't want to live in bondage to compulsion. And that for me starts with food. So Tammy, practically speaking for all the listeners out there, which after this incredible story, what does your rhythm currently look like for fasting? Yeah, I fast twice a week, um, Tuesdays and Fridays. Tuesdays, I pray for my kids. And um, that's what I mean. Like I want God to move more in my kids' lives than I want to eat on those days. And the discipline of having two regular days, that has been the, really important for me. Like mm. not just to do it when I feel like it, because that's my nature is like, <laughs> yeah. oh, like, but I feel good today. I'm good with God right now. So I don't really need to do my fasting practice. No, I probably do just because. Oh, it's so honest. You know? I, like, get I, that. It, I get that. I get that deeply. Um, yeah. And then on Friday, I just pray for like our future and calling. So. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of what I sit in on those days. That's amazing. And so what would you say to somebody who's hearing this and has a sense that they might even have, even going back to sort of the de- how the demonic preparing yourself to mm-hmm. intercede for on your own behalf and think they might have a demonic attachment? What would you say to them? Yeah, uh, man. So this experience for me led me into, I think it was so shocking because, again, we didn't come from a church stream where this was talked about. Um, so I did start reading, doing a bunch of research um, on how this could be. Like, how could a, somebody who follows Jesus, yeah. um, you know, have these demonic yeah, things? Good question. It's not like you were not holy before. I mean, no. I live with you. I could, I know all of your shadows. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, and, thank you. you know, but you're a, I'm like, you're oh. a godly woman. Yeah. You were, yeah. you know, yeah. very much so. In my research, I started doing a bunch of reading. I started reading like Catholic theology around deliverance and exorcism and understanding the enemy. They have a much richer tradition. And they have like like a lot of like thoughtful kind of liturgical even and just interesting things around it. So and then also like the exorcist is an official role in the Catholic Church. Protestants don't have that. And then the, um, you know, also the more charismatic vein of the church. I've I've read some of that. Also, early church history, yeah. and realizing they dealt with this a ton. Yes, especially and they, in the ancient Mediterranean, it's all over. Every, in fact, every single in the catechumenate early church yes. discipleship, every single person before you could be baptized had to go, to go through, through at least yeah. one deliverance yeah. se- uh, session because mm-hmm. their working assumption was that you are coming into the waters of baptism and you likely have demonic attachments that need to be broken off in order for you to experience life in Christ. 
which was so it's not the assumption yeah, of a modern yeah, western no. so interesting yeah. but but so i guess like as i've been reading these things the other thing that had struck me is in that same kind of like early church history stuff one of the phrases that was used that deeply like encouraged me because at first i thought gosh like lord i know i've walked with you i like have been co- like consecrating myself mm. to you for yeah. many years like yeah. and i and i love jesus um you know, there were no like huge areas of uh, immorality that I was like nursing secretly or anything, yeah. you know. And so um, but there was this phrase in one of the things I read that it said um, talked about the job of the person who practiced like, you know, the pa- pastor or priest who had gone to um, help the people who were being it literally said, uh, you know, tormented by the enemy. Mm-hmm. But it said these people the and it was saying something like the demonic torment who tormented the faithful and i just thought i wish the church in the west had a category mm. for um just like spiritual warfare that wasn't like really like weird honestly like wasn't like really like the scriptures talk a lot yeah. about we have an enemy, like yes. the devil yes. goes around as a roaring lion seeking whom yeah. he may devour, yeah. mm. you know? So this understanding that for me, as I was reading these things in all the strains I could find Catholicism, uh, you know, more charismatic veins of the church, early church history, you basically had like multiple things that were the same yeah you know there's different ways they would like go about dealing with these things but in every single strain there's the same basic ideas confession of sin Mm. forgiveness Mm. of others like doing the work to forgive and obey Mm. these are very scriptural things jesus calls us to and then fasting was very often a part of that that almost like tapping into that i want this more than i want mm. you know so cool yeah, dot 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 food yeah. truffle fries yes, um, yes, yes. you know yeah. dessert of choice so yeah. um <laughs> even as i've like looked back on my deliverance and healing i think what's interesting is in that room when i was with john mark and my mm-hmm. and my brother and this um this man who did deliverance work when the man went through my family line and he said in jesus name we break this curse my face was still going crazy but when i said by the name and authority of jesus i break this curse in jesus name the authority that the enemy had had over me i think that in jesus name and by his like his spirit I God had given me and my brother the authority to break it. Mm. What I didn't realize is this is very like there's all these scriptures that we read, but I just don't think it's like it almost like we didn't. I think we don't realize the gift of the authority yeah. God has yeah. given mm. us as yeah. believers. Yeah. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Yeah. Like this idea that Jesus fasts in the wilderness for yeah. 40 days the devil tempts him literally this idea people will often say when they hear my story oh but darkness can't d- darkness can't dwell with light like the devil can't be in the same area the same as as, area. as jesus i'm like yeah. have you read about what the story of are you the, living on of, yeah, the <laughs> devil, yeah you know the, you know the devil literally comes and tempts yeah. jesus himself if yeah. jesus is tempted by the devil 
then why wouldn't we be? Wow. Oh my Same. goodness. Yeah. Like, it's almost so, out of fear people come to that conclusion. Then they're like, am I vulnerable to all that exists? If yes. But you're like, by God's It activates grace, people's fear. Yes, because in the control part of like, if I say yes to Jesus, then everything else, like somehow, like, well, on. and because of the bad English translations, people, they, they think that demonization is the better English translation of the mm. Greek word, but they think that you're, you're either possessed or not. Yes. Like, well, a Christian can't be possessed or whatever. Yeah. That's, a, yeah. that's a theological rabbit trail. You're but. not owned by yes. the enemy, yes. but yes. you but there can are other be categories. oppressed. You can be Good oppressed. Word. You can be that's demonized. That's very helpful. You can have demonic yeah, attachments. Yeah, you can have demonic lies. So helpful to hear. Yes. Jesus had some of this stuff. Absolutely. Mm. I mean, like, and you see, like, you know, Satan goes straight into the throne room in the book of Job to, uh, like, he's to the accuser. accuser. Like, mm. like, I just think... um, what I would say, if somebody thinks that they have, you know, maybe I have a generational curse or maybe I have like a demonic attachment yeah. that, and maybe it was passed to me from a, a, the sin of someone down my yeah. family line, yeah. you know, just this idea. Um, I would say God through his scripture and also through his life, we see the practices, which is what mm. we are talking about here, yeah. that have been used as tools mm. to empower and magnify the authority that God has given us mm. to break the power of the enemy over mm. our own lives. And one of the wow. ways that the enemy, I think, perverts our own desire is through perversion, that very thing. Sex in its context, when it's pure, yeah. is gift. Yeah. It actually is life-giving actually like yeah, it gives life yeah, like you yeah. have children from it uh like you know food yeah. gift yeah. but you know but perverted it's like you know there's all yeah. these the enemy's always trying to pervert what god wants to, to yeah. give mm -hmm. so what i like think is if you think that you have that go through emotionally healthy church uh or do a genogram wow go to your community mm -hmm. use the fasting practice if you can't fast for multiple days try one meal yeah. Okay, like yeah. just start small yeah. and grow. And yeah. then in that space, to the best of your ability, forgive, like do the inner yeah. work around like confession of yeah. sin. Like that is Amen. the Catholic yeah. Church has a very high view of confession of sin. We as followers of Jesus and biblically yeah. grounded yeah. people who are yeah. trying to operate yeah. under the <laughs> lordship of God yeah. and his way. Confession of sin should be a regular yeah. thing that we do yeah. in order to rid ourselves of these almost like pockets or footholds in in the word of the script, uh, you know, the language of the scriptures that the enemy can use to attach to us, and then confess your sins, do as like place forgiveness, mm -hmm. you know, like do the forgiveness work around people who've harmed you, therapy, all those things is great, but in this particular case, I would say, come and just as a community with people who are fasting with you, supporting you, whatever, like do those things and then just speak out to the, like literally to the air, I guess, but just, I am speaking to the enemies that of Christ. Like I'm speaking to the enemies that want to mess me up, that have come down to me through my mom or dad. And I reject you. I am only giving my mind, my body, my whatever. I want to only be filled with the spirit of Jesus the one true God, the King of Kings, I consecrate myself to him and ask mm -hmm. him to come free me from all enemies of Christ. Mm -hmm. I want nothing to do with them. And I break mm -hmm. off. Like if you see patterns, 
And I know it sounds weird and and stuff, but but I just think there's power in our voice. God's given us a voice. It says that Jesus became a curse on the Mm. cross, like his blood. He actually conquered death. So even a curse of death is conquered by the blood Mm. of Jesus. So like you're just saying in the authority of Jesus and by the blood that has conquered death, all is null and void under Jesus. I'm just declaring it now. Anything that was connected to me on these things, I... I reject. And then you just hold that space. I would say through continual fasting once a week or whatever, like rededicate yourself. Please, Lord, do all that's in your heart for me. That kind of a, I think that mentality. And then if you're, if you kind of stumble upon something that's crazy or whatever, talk to your pastor. I I think Mm -hmm. asking the elders to anoint you with Mm -hmm. oil and pray for healing. First, do your own consecrating to the Lord so that God has freedom to move in your person and you've given him access to all the parts mm. of your person. Yeah. That's good. Where yeah. if the enemy has a stronghold over you, yeah. you're unaware of like it's undone or at least weakened, you know? Yeah. And you so, know, it's so incredible because often with the Western perspective, because it's, it's easy to basically like put our culture within the Bible and make that truth. And like in the context I grew up in, it was so norm. There was no question about like, is there the demonic are things and the bible also doesn't sort of make that less than it actually is the people are affected are oppressed and so the reality the reality of like kind of being put off if this is weird is that like it's the truth that we already exist in it's given language to like we do exist in a world where mm-hmm. that it's not just forces of good at play they're yes. ones that do not mean well totally flourishing you know this also exists you know? mm-hmm. yes yeah. and i just think that we have agency like We talk about free will, like God has given us agency to choose. Do we want, what do we want the most? What do you want? Yeah, what do you want? And I just think that him asking that question, you ask yourself that question. Mm. Do you want to be free? And if you want to be free, then like get honest with Jesus. He's giving you tools. That's what the practices are. They're tools to access uh, more capacity to do the things that you want to do on an, a deeper level. They are mm-hmm. tools to help you become more empowered to do the things you want to do. Yeah. And so that's what I would say. Well, my love, thank you. Thank yeah. you for telling your story. I know it's a vulnerable one and now it's on the internet. Thank you. It's just true here. though. It it's is a just gospel true. story. It is it's a Jesus it, story. I feel like mm-hmm. it's about it's good yeah. news about and Jesus. And we have a lot of compassion for people that are yeah. dealing with chronic illness or yeah. death or loss and don't yeah. have a story yeah. like this. And mm-hmm. you know, much could be said about that. But of thank course. you for telling your story. Yeah. Yeah. I love you. It's, it's been such a joy to watch your transformation, not just from unhealthy to healthy, but from a good person to a holy person. Mm-hmm. You know. And um it's been an honor to be your husband. I love you. Awesome. Thanks for coming on. Thanks. All right. We'll be back next week with the person who asked, do you know of any generational curses on your family line? Yeah, You'll be here next week. Guy. But tons of love. Thanks for listening. Bless you Bye. all.